This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. Good to see you here. God bless you. It's been a joy to worship with you today. Wasn't that good? Just getting in the presence of the Lord. Well, I welcome you. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you with us. Uh, If you're watching by live stream, get ready, get ready for the power of the Holy Spirit today, okay? If you've got a Bible, go with me to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to work to get there. Again, just a couple things I want to highlight as we're turning to Acts 2. Um, If you were here last week, remember the Lord Jesus said in Acts 1 that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power. Now, the word power there actually means boldness. It means courage. It means confidence. Now, can I ask you something on that? How many in here need some boldness? To be a witness. I mean, you need some courage to stand up for the kingdom. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. How many of you need some kingdom confidence? Where God just on the inside of you just begins to explode. Well, I believe this is what's going to happen today. That when you allow the scriptures to teach, okay? let's, Let's be biblical here today. So as you're turning to Acts 2, I begin to think in these terms that a week or so ago, we had this crazy winter storm that came in and there were a lot of people within our state that lost their power. And when they lost their power, it altered their life in a very, very negative way. And their life was altered until they got their power supply back on. So I think in these terms with us as human beings, not only is my life altered without the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't believe we can achieve what God's called us to do without the Holy Spirit. And you can see this biblically over and over. And so on the lines, even with the disciples, remember the Lord Jesus said, I I command you. I command you to wait for the promise of the Father. That's Acts 1 verse 4. And so when when he says those things, you know what the Lord Jesus realized? Even these disciples, they had spent over three years with me. They had seen me in operation. They had heard my teaching, but yet the Lord Jesus knew these guys won't make it without the Holy Spirit. So what makes me and you think I'm going to make it without the Holy Spirit? So let let the Bible teach us today, okay? Acts chapter 2, I'm going to begin in, in verse 32. And as you get there, Peter has quoted the prophet Joel in Joel 2. He he quotes Psalm 16. It just flows out of him. It just rolls out of him. And we pick up here in verse 32. And he says here, This Jesus God has raised up from which we are all witnesses. Now when he says this, he's beginning to explain to them everything that's taken place that they're seeing. And he says, we're witnesses. Not not only did we witness him die on the cross, we witnessed him when he rose from the grave. And that highlights our Easter experience, which will be in four weeks, and I welcome you to that, bring family members. But he said, I've been a witness of Jesus before he was resurrected, and I've been a witness of him since he's been resurrected. Verse 33 
Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and this is what you now hear. And so his explanation is everything that's taken place here is a result of the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Now remember the prophet Zechariah said in Zechariah 4, 6, he said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's gonna be by the Spirit of God. Verse number 34. For David did not ascend into heavens, but he says himself. Now he's quoting in this passage here, Psalms 110. And he says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my hand or my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know. Let all the house of Israel know. From the littlest to the oldest. From the X generation to the millennials, to the baby boomers, to the even the oldie goldie. But he said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, Peter is speaking here by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he says, God made Jesus. And he said, not only did he make him Lord, he's basically telling them, don't ever forget for what took place on that cross. Don't forget the blood. Don't forget the broken body. Live by Jesus and live by the power of the cross. Do you know in Colossians 3, 17, the apostle Paul said, in everything you do in word or deed, you do in the name of Jesus. What a powerful name it is. Verse 37. Now when they heard this, all the house of Israel heard this. They were cut to heart. They were stung in their heart. They, they were pierced in their heart. A deep sorrow or conviction came upon their heart. So they hear the word of God from Peter. And it cuts them to heart. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time the word of God cut you to heart? And that's not a negative thing. That is a very positive thing. When the word of God cuts us to heart, according to John 16, verse 8, the Lord Jesus said, the spirit of God was sent to convict of sin. There becomes a conviction of sin within me. And this is what's going on. And, and they get cut to heart because of the boldness and the truth that Peter speaks to him. Keep reading verse 37. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Question mark. Still the same question mark to this day. And, sh and what shall we do? Now watch how Peter explains this in verse 38. Therefore, Peter said to them, repent, repent. Probably the greatest daily vitamin that me and you can learn to partake on a daily basis is repent. But pastor, I don't need to repent every day. Don't kid yourself. 
I don't believe any of us probably go through a day where we're perfect. You say, I am, Pastor. Don't kid yourself. Just drive around Lubbock for a little while and you'll need to repent. I promise. But he said, repent. We are to actually repent of our sin. And when we repent, not only is that a confession of my sin, that means to to change direction, to change my way of thinking. Go in a different direction. Live like you've been forgiven. But they said, what shall we do? And the very first thing he says, repent. I, I wish you just had to repent one time in your life and that one time would do it. for. That's not how it is. Repent. Now, as we we progress with Peter and his teaching here, he's going to use some ands. And he goes on to say, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You know what that is? That's getting born again. You, You ask Jesus to come into your heart. And Lord Jesus, be Lord of my life. And I thank you. That your blood washes me from all sin. Come into my heart. The significance of repentance and the significance of being born again. But Peter didn't stop there. And look at the last one. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You won't earn the gift. You will receive the Holy Spirit. So if I read in light of Peter's teaching right here, I I repent of my sin and I get born again and that qualifies me to be a recipient of the Holy Spirit. And I think Peter was highlighting this because he's like saying, listen guys, you're born again, you're saved, but you're not gonna fulfill what God has for you Without the Holy Spirit, just not going to happen. Verse 39, for the promise, for the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. You know, the far off was the Gentiles. And so right here, he highlights that the Holy Spirit still equips believers for service. But I believe also in this, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for every believer, because he said to you and for every generation with what the Apostle Peter just said here. Now, it's huge when I begin to get a hold of this, when I say, Lord, I, I, I need the Holy Spirit. I need more of him in my life. And so I think on these terms. I'm not going to fulfill what God desires for me to do without the Holy Spirit as a man. And who do we think we are that we're going to be smart enough to figure out how to be great moms and dads without the Holy Spirit? And who do we think we are that we're going to be these great husbands and wives without the Holy Spirit? Something happens when I just begin to say, I'm going to believe the Bible. I'm going to actually believe what Peter said right here. 
Now, flip just a couple pages to Acts chapter 4. And as you get to Acts chapter 4, I'm going to highlight Acts 3 for you just a little bit, okay? So in Acts 3, Peter and John are now filled with the Holy Spirit. So they go up to the temple to pray at 3 in the afternoon. On the way up there to pray, there was a lame man who was laid at this gate called Beautiful every day. So it would be like us coming into the church right here every day, and as we walk in, we see this lame man. That was his job, to lay there and beg day after day after day. And so Peter strolls up and looks at him, and the guy sticks out his hand like, give me something. And Peter says, you know what? I don't have any change. I don't have any bills. I don't even have my debit card on me because he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Whoo, what a powerful name it is. And the Bible said, the man went walking and leaping and praising God. Now there was an incredible, incredible miracle that took place. Through this miracle, all these people who would come around the temple day after day they see the guy who had gotten healed. Do you know in that one day, 5,000 got born again. 5,000. Boom. Because of the boldness of Peter and John to say, in the name of Jesus. Now, I'm going to break down this chapter just a little bit for, for you. Look in Hebrews, I'm not Hebrews, Acts chapter 4, verse 8. I want to read this one verse for you, okay? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. Now, if you'll note in reading this, it didn't say, then Peter said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel. It specifically highlighted that Peter was under the influence of the Holy Spirit. If it didn't matter, then why is this in the Bible where it says, and Peter filled with the Holy Spirit? I believe with all my heart, the Bible is making it very clear. He is moving and operating by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how he's doing it. Now, in this sense here, what begins to happen is what took place with Peter and John. It ticked the religious leaders off. Same chapter, verse 13. Now, when they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized, these guys have been with Jesus. These fellows have been with Jesus. You know what I see off of verse 13? These guys realize, hey, these guys aren't the sharpest tool in the shed. But what I find out is they've been with Jesus. There's no doubt. Keep reading. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. It's kind of hard to deny a a guy who's healed. He's standing there. And then what do you do with the 5,000 that were born again? It's kind of hard to deny that. And instead of the religious folks celebrating, saying, yes, people are being healed and people are born again, it ticks them off. Verse 15, but when they had commanded Peter and John to go outside out of the council, they conferred among themselves saying, what shall we do to these men? 
For indeed, a notable or remarkable miracle has been done through them. It is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. They suppressed the truth. Don't you dare speak in that name. Now they threaten them. And so think about this in your life and my life. What would you do if you were threatened? See, this is kind of foreign to us as as Western uh, society people. We're not threatened yet for preaching the gospel. But, But what would you do if someone said, don't you dare speak in the name. Don't you dare come to work and speak in the name of Jesus again. Don't do it. Watch Peter and John's response here. But Peter and John answered verse 19 and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. In other words, who do you think's gonna get my ear, God or you? Verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We are not gonna back off from telling the truth And I believe that's huge within the body of Christ right now, within the church, that we teach the things of God, the things we've seen and the things we've heard. Now follow me real close here. Same chapter, verse 29. Now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. They didn't go into hiding. They didn't back off. They didn't say, you know what? Maybe we ought to go to another city. They said, better yet, grant us fresh boldness. And and when you see the word boldness right here, it, it denotes a divine enablement that's given to ordinary people. And he goes on to say in verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. This was their expectation. See, this is what gets me at times when I think it's one thing to preach the word, but it's another thing to have an expectation that God's going to heal. God's going to set people free. And I believe this is what happens when the church gets together. We don't come to church just to, just to feed on the word of God. That's part of it. But man, we come to the church to watch God confirm his word with signs following. We believe God's going to move. Now look what he says here in verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if I read this correctly, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So the all there would be everybody who was there when he prayed. And so wouldn't that include the apostles? But I thought, wait a minute, wait. They were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. So what happens to them this time? They got filled and they kept getting filled. And that's the same with me and you. There's a fresh filling day after day. And so it says they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. 
Not a human quality, but a result of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So when you begin to read what took place with these, these disciples that got filled with the Holy Spirit, they preached the word with boldness. And they allowed the Holy Spirit to move within them. And so I begin to think on these lines. This was the blueprint for the church. But what happens when the church fails to, tr uh, to teach the truth with boldness? What happens when the church fails to not only recognize, but to acknowledge and receive the Holy Spirit? What happens to us? Turn with me to the book of Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. And you get to Revelations chapter 3. The Lord Jesus wrote to seven churches. I believe those are an ongoing application for the church today. For the, not only the church, but the believers. I go to the very last church he wrote to in verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Now, he writes to this church, but remember this, guys. The church isn't a building. The church is people. And this is red letter words here. So Jesus is literally writing to the people of Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was a very rich and wealthy church that it, it, it thrived on self-sufficiency. One of the meanings of Laodicea has the meaning that it takes the views of common people and the majority of what the people think or decide, that's what we're going to do. Now, I don't know if you get that or not. That's scary to put the opinions of people over the word of God. This is highlighting Laodicea. He goes on to say, these things says the amen. He's talking about Father God, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Speaking of the Lord Jesus is what that means. Verse 15. I know your works. I know your deeds. I know your actions. I know your behaviors. I, I know what you're doing. Actually, I know what's even in your heart. Now, how would you like to stand before Jesus today and him look at you and say, I know your works? What would be your response? Duh, 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 duh. I know your works. That you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or I wish you were hot. Now, cold actually means frozen in apathy. Hot means fervent with passion. So he said, I wish you were either frozen or you were fervent. I wish you were one or the other. So then because you are lukewarm. Now, when we talk about lukewarm here, this means you blend in. So you go to church on Sunday and you act like a saint on Sunday, but you act like the devil on Monday. You blend in. 
When I'm around the Christians, I know how to speak in Christianese. I know all the right things to say. Oh, glory, praise the Lord. But when I get around the world, I act just like them. And Jesus says, you're lukewarm. This is the word of Lord Jesus. You're a nominal Christian. You are a Christian only in word. Now, when I read lukewarm right here, is it a result that we quit preaching the truth with boldness? Was lukewarm a result of let's just go through the motions? We don't need the Holy Spirit. So in a sense, have we institutionalized backsliding? Wow. Listen, listen, guys, this this wasn't talking to people that hang out at Hooters. I don't know why I came up with that analogy, but. (laughs) Pastor, get your mind out of the gutter. This was written to the church. So when I begin to look at it again here, remember Peter spoke the word with boldness and then he, he welcomed the Holy Spirit. But when we quit doing that, Is that why the church was in such a lukewarm state? So what I found out, there's a lot of people that say, well, all I need is the word of God. But what I found out is if you've got just the word, you dry up. But all I need is is just the Holy Spirit. But if I just have the Holy Spirit, I blow up. But when I take the word of God and the Holy Spirit together, I grow up. And what I see with people that say, all I need is the word of God, they become very religious. They become very mechanical. But when I see people that only say, we just have the Holy Spirit, they're weird. They're a bunch of granola Christians. They're really flaky and nutty. They do crazy stuff. But the, 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 the silent divorce of staying away from the word and the Holy Spirit together. But when they come back together, man, people become complete. They become, so what happens is the word balances me with the Holy Spirit. You're lukewarm. Neither cold nor hot. And I will vomit you out of my mouth. The Lord Jesus said that. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, to to help you with that just a little bit. When I vomit in the natural, and I'm not trying to gross you out, okay? But when I vomit in the natural, you know why I vomit? Because something in my stomach isn't right. There's something in there that needs to get out. And the Lord Jesus says, I'll vomit you out of my mouth because something isn't right. But when he vomits us out of our mouth, that's a reprimand, but the reprimand doesn't mean he's done with this. There's hope for this. So he says in verse 17, because you say, I am rich and I have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. I have need of nothing. 
I got more money than I know what to do with. So again, he highlights the problems with the people of Laodicea, but he goes on to say this to them, but you do not know that you are wretched, you are miserable, poor, blind, and naked spiritually. You're oblivious, you are clueless because you are proud, you are self-exalted, and you are conceited. That's what the Lord Jesus said. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire. And we all know gold's a very a valuable resource. And he said, I counsel you to buy from me gold. Not from the world. So you know what he wants? He wants the gold of the things of heaven to come alive within each one of us. And he says, refined in fire. That you may be rich and white garments. You may be rich spiritually, but you know what the white garment signifies? You're forgiven. You don't have any stains of sin on you no more. And he throws these last two thoughts in here and he says, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. Woo, he doesn't want to expose my nakedness. He doesn't want to expose all the junk in my life. And he ends and says, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And so what he's talking about here is the garments of Christ's righteousness and a spiritually illumined eye that I see by revelation of the Holy Spirit. Now, pay real close attention to verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. I correct, I discipline. As many as I love. So the, the, the sense here is that when God loves you, he's gonna correct you. You know why? Because God doesn't want you riding your bike in the street, okay? Where's my analogy coming from? I love my children. And so at a young age, you teach them to ride the bike. And you tell little Johnny over and over, don't ride that bike in the street. And one day you're looking out the window and he's riding his bike and there he goes right down the driveway and you know what you don't do? You don't sit down with your cup of coffee and say, he's gonna learn the hard way. Good luck, Johnny. No brains, no headaches. No, you know what you do? You hit that door as fast as you can. I'm gonna scare you and you yell, Johnny! Because you love him. Because you love him. And this is what the Lord does. He says, I love you. I, I don't want you going in the street because I know what's going to happen. So he says, to those I love, I rebuke and I chase. And therefore be zealous, be eager and repent. I think we've done a disservice within the church of not teaching people to Repent. Repent, own up and say, Father God, I blew it again today. I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me. Two of the greatest things you can ask God to do for you on a daily basis, forgive me and help me. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. Think about this right here. 
Jesus is at the door and what is he doing? If you notice, he says, he who answers the door and open the door, I'll come in and I'll fellowship with you. It didn't say Jesus will kick in the door and he's going to come. No. He respects your will. And you know what? You're the one that has to say, all right, Lord, come on in. And I want to fellowship with you. I want to dine with you. I, I want to sit at the feet of Jesus and hear your word day by day by day. And that's his desire. He doesn't want us just to know his name and theory. He wants us to actually know him. And that's the thing about Christianity. It's about a relationship. I get married in the natural and then I tell Shelly, you know what? I'm married to you, but the rest of your life, just stay in the corner. I'm going to put you on timeout for eternity. You look and say, what kind of fella are you? But see, to a degree, that's what we've done to God. We receive Jesus as Lord of our life. And we think, you know what? I'm saved. I'm born, but I don't want anything to do with you no more. Verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Wow, what a promise. As I have also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. You know why Jesus is seated? Because he finished the job. You only sit when you're finished. You know what Jesus said? Run the race that's set before you with endurance, looking to Jesus, the author, the finish of our faith. Hebrews 12, 2. And you know the reason he says that is because there's going to become a day when you know what? We get to sit. We get to sit in victory. We get to sit in eternity because what he did. And then he ends in verse 22 and he says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear. If I look around here today, every one of you have two ears. So the issue isn't whether I have ears or not. The issue is what I do with my ears. And he says, really, do you listen to man or do you listen to God? Wow. Go real quick to 2 Corinthians. Actually, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is Apostle Paul, and I'm going to give you some kingdom thoughts here that, woo, this will minister to you, okay? First King, uh, Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech. Well, that ends you real quick, Pastor. We got you on that one. I didn't come to you with excellent speech or of wisdom clearing, declaring to you the testimony of God. He's talking about the difference between human and divine wisdom. And God rejects human wisdom because it, it borders lines on pride and self-glory. Look at me, look at me. Look how smart I am. And the apostle Paul, who was literally brilliant in Jewish customs, he said, I didn't come to you in excellent in speech or wisdom of man. That's not what I want to be recognized as. And he goes on to say here, verse 2. For I determined to not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. All I wanted to know was Jesus and the cross. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. He felt very inadequate at times. Now listen to this. And my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom. 
but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. Wow. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This was the Apostle Paul. So I go back and I look over and over, whether it was Peter, whether it was, whether it was Paul. These men highlight their preaching was to the things of the kingdom of God. But then they always put in the Holy Spirit. Every time with them, they talked about the Holy Spirit. What would happen if we begin to do that? See, here's what I, I begin to see even in this area. It's not how eloquent we are as speakers. And it's not about entertainment. And it's not about how clever and how slick we become. And it's not about my, my props. Paul and Peter kept it very simple. They said, we're going to preach the word of God and then we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And so I think, how far have we gotten off within the church? We can come back. Now, I'm going to ask you right now to, to stand up right there where you're at. And just through the word of God, we're going to let, we're going to let God be God in here, okay? We backpedal a little bit back into Acts 2, where the word of God cut them to heart. I don't know if it cut you to heart. I remember this as a young believer. And it seemed like every week I got cut to heart. I'm telling you, every week. And every week I'd walk the aisle and I knew people think, man, that dude is messed up. And I, yeah, I am. I'm really messed up. That's what I'm doing down here. And to this day, I, I welcome when the Holy Spirit cuts me to heart. But remember the very first thing he said to do? He said, repent. Repent. Now, I can highlight repentance, but the greatest thing I got to tell you about repentance is you can't repent for me and I can't repent for you. So I go before God and you go before God. And, and just as I would talk to glory today, that's how I talk to Father God. And I say, Father God, I, I blew it again in this area. And whatever it is, I repent of that. And I ask him to forgive me. And so this is, this is Bible 101, I believe, with all my heart. That we got to get this. And you know what? Block out whoever's around you. It doesn't matter. It's between you and God. And I find that when people really want to have encounters with God, they put all forms of pride down there like, I really don't give a flip who sees me. So you can repent right there or you can come to the altar and repent either one. I'm going to open up the altars here to say, I'm going to go before God. I'm going to repent. I'm, I'm going to be biblical. I'm going to obey. Then the second thing he said, and you'll receive Jesus as Lord of your life. Do you need to get born again today? And what I mean by that, do you need to give Jesus your heart? Or maybe you've run from him. 
Maybe you're in a lukewarm state where you say, I really need to rededicate my life to Jesus today. And here's the thing about Jesus. You don't have to get born again every week. You repent of your sin and you say, Lord Jesus, I welcome you as Lord of my life. I believe you're, you're, you're the Christ, the Messiah, okay? But if you're here today and you need to give your heart to Jesus, I welcome you right now. If that's you, you don't want to leave earth without him, I promise you. And the third thing he said, and that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. You were here last week, Luke eleven thirteen. 13. The Lord Jesus said how the Father would give those who ask Him for the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to speak on this for several more weeks. I just want you to see it's biblical. So is your journey right now, are you lukewarm? go to greater depths with the Lord Jesus you want to honor or acknowledge the knock to die see there's so much going on and so I think part of this is we say Lord open my heart to the word of God but also open my heart to the Holy Spirit I need you Holy Spirit so if you're in need of any of those three areas I welcome you down here the only thing that Jesus asked us to do is this. Repent and receive. Repent and receive. He didn't say you can earn salvation. He didn't say you can earn forgiveness. It's just you repent and you receive. And so I receive Jesus as Lord of my life. I receive forgiveness. I receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. And so as they begin to sing here, I, I welcome you to come to these altars today. And if you're tired of doing everything out of your abilities, I welcome you down here. You know, it'll wear you out trying to be God. You know why? You don't spell your name, capital G-O-D. That's where the Holy Spirit comes to work. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.